In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to register with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the heart of the Christmas story, but there's much more to the story of Christmas than just a single night in Bethlehem. And so tonight we will be reflecting on the abundant joy of two senior citizens who met Jesus a few weeks after Christmas. We do so because joy can be in scarce supply in our hustle and bustle, northern Virginia, stressed out, crazy busy lives. And yet everyone in the Christmas story, everyone who experienced the work of God that first Christmas, with the exception of Herod and his flunkies, was overflowing with pure joy. And God is inviting each of us to experience that joy tonight. And so let me tell you the story about Simeon and Anna, two seniors who met Mary, Joseph, and Jesus 40 days after Christmas. But they are very much a part of the Christmas story. You see, in obedience to the Jewish law, Joseph and Mary had brought baby Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to take care of two required rituals, one for Mary so that she could perform a ritual of purification after giving birth and one for Jesus, that he would be consecrated to God as the firstborn. I read now from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 28. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms 
and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory for your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, I've got to imagine this was not what Mary and Joseph were expecting when they took baby Jesus to the temple that day. What a remarkable event, what, a, what an unusual set of individuals they met. So who were these faithful senior citizens that God placed in their path when their child was only 40 days old? It would seem that Simeon and Anna were God's watchmen. They were ready to proclaim joy for all of the work that God was doing for mankind. These were individuals who had devoted their lives to God, and he had rewarded their faithfulness by bringing them into the presence of Jesus shortly before they would die. That, in fact, is the the beginning of Simeon's praise, that he is now ready to die in peace because he has seen Jesus and held him. Simeon was righteous and holy, devout and dedicated to God. Anna was a devoted widow who had spent her days in worship and fasting and prayer. And each of them had an important role to play that day in the unfolding drama of Christmas. Because God had long before appointed them to be his watchmen, to alert people to the miraculous in their midst, the working of God. You see, 700 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah had promised God that he would prepare these watchmen to proclaim the joy of his work. Isaiah 52, 8 through 10 says, The voice of your watchmen. They lift up their voice, that together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. There are four key elements of that prophecy, comfort, redemption of Jerusalem, the eyes of all the nations, and the salvation of God. Those are the same four elements in Simeon and Anna's praise that day. That with Jesus, whom they met and grabbed a hold of and lifted up, there was consolation, comfort. There's redemption for Jerusalem. The eyes of all the nations were there, and the salvation of God was upon them. Simeon and Anna were God's long-promised watchmen. They were overflowing with joy when they met Jesus and embraced him. And their joy was not some generic delight. You know, oh, what a cute baby. It was a very deep and profound and lasting joy because of what God was doing for all mankind. That's the joy of Christmas. What God is doing for all mankind. 
The joy of Christmas, you see, that story is not just about a snapshot in time. It's not just about our, our manger nativity scenes. The joy of Christmas, the joy of every person who's involved in the Christmas story is always about the bigger picture of what God is doing in the world, what He was doing for mankind, whom He loves deeply, and whom He is rescuing through that baby. This is our only source of true and lasting joy. Not presents, not parties, not decorations, not carols, not cookies. God's eternal love and care for each and every one of us. I want to briefly highlight three aspects of this joy which are being expressed through Simeon and Anna because they have lasting importance for everyone who embraces Jesus. First, Jesus offers salvation for all people. This is the basis of the praise in verses 30 through 32. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Salvation is truly the most fundamental theme of the Christmas story. It's the essential reason that Jesus was born at Christmas in the first place. It is His very name, Jesus, means the Lord saves. Salvation is the heart of true Christmas joy because every person on earth needs the gift of salvation. From the earliest days of our lives, we do bad things that need forgiving, that we need to be saved from. Right? Think about it. If you have any familiarity whatsoever with children at any point in your life, right? We, we have to painstakingly teach them to say please and thank you and to have good manners. And we never ever have to teach them how to lie or manipulate people or hit their brother or sister. We come by the bad stuff naturally. And no matter how hard we try to be good and moral and and disciplined people, we inevitably fall short sometimes. Sometimes we, we might take an unethical shortcut at work or at school. We might throw somebody under the bus to save our own neck. We might hurt or manipulate someone along to get our way or to to take advantage of, of a situation to get what we want. We might look at things we shouldn't or say things we regret or worse, not regret them at all after we've said them. We think the things we shouldn't think. We say the things we shouldn't say. We do the things we shouldn't do. And and all too often we fail to, to say or do the things we should. And all of that is sin. All of that matters. Because all of that separates us from God. Because God is holy and He is perfect and He is righteous and He cannot tolerate the presence of sin. And this is a problem because, because at the same time, God loves us deeply. He wants to have a relationship with us. He made us to be in relationship with Him. But in His perfect, holy righteousness and goodness, He cannot permit our sinful selves into his presence. There's nothing we can do about this on our own efforts. We can't be good enough to be perfect because we're not. We can't be moral enough to be perfect because we're not. We can't be ethical enough to be perfect because we're not. We can't be hardworking enough to earn our way into God's presence because every time we think we're making progress, we We trip and fall. God is perfect and we're not. 
And so we are naturally separated from him. And this is a reality that pains us deeply, though we cannot even put words to it often. But it really does hurt us, and we, we respond to that pain in various ways. Some people will respond by trying to, to work extra hard to be really, really good people. They'll put all their energy and effort into that until eventually the effort of it and the despair of failing again and again and again breaks us. Some simply don't skip straight to the despair. They give up. Some respond with an anger that denies the very existence of the God we were made to love and who very much loves us. And so the truth is we need a game changer. We need salvation. We need something to free us from this treadmill of failure, this treadmill of try and fail, try and fail, to connect with God, to communicate with Him. And Jesus is that game changer, and Christmas is when the game changed. Our desperate need for forgiveness for our sins and the the wiping clean of our slates, the, the washing away of all of the shame and the humiliation of our our current and our past situations. All of this is our need for salvation, and this is the salvation Simeon was celebrating when he embraced Jesus that day in the temple. Because salvation is offered through Jesus. Jesus is the eternal Son of God, but on Christmas, He changed the game. He became human. He was born as a baby who would be embraced by Simeon and Anna 40 days later. And that baby grew up to live that perfect, sin-free life that we can't. On the one hand, he is the infinite and eternal God. On the other hand, he is an innocent and sin-free human. And the combination of those two things are what led him to voluntarily die on a Roman cross, to pay the penalty, to accept the punishment that we deserve for our sins. Born on Christmas, Jesus would grow up to die on Good Friday. And on Easter, he would rise from the dead victorious over sin and death. His resurrection proved that what he said about himself was true. He he said that all who believed in him and put their faith in him as Lord and Savior would be forgiven their sins and would live forever in God's presence. He demonstrated that by his resurrection. He said he was the way, the truth, the life, that he was the only way to come into relationship with God the Father, the God of the universe. And he rose from the dead to prove it. You see, what began in a Bethlehem manger culminated with a bloody cross and an empty tomb and the free gift of salvation that is offered for all who believe in him. As Simeon proclaimed, Jesus offers salvation to all who will accept it. He offers salvation regardless of race, regardless of citizenship or ethnicity or education or employment or accomplishment or health or wealth or previous life history or current life situation. Jesus offers salvation to all, no matter how far from God they might be right at this minute. Jesus offers salvation to all, no matter how ugly or shameful your past or your present might be. God is offering that gift of salvation through Jesus to all who are gathered here tonight, whether it is in this place or all around the world as we celebrate Christmas Eve. 
If you haven't already accepted it, He is offering it to you literally right now, no matter who you are, because He loves you deeply. That's God's present under your tree tonight. And the question is whether or not you will pick it up and unwrap it. Whether you will, like Simeon, embrace Jesus. If you haven't already accepted that salvation offered through Jesus by embracing Him, are you ready to unwrap this present now? There are countless wonderful aspects to this present. Dimensions that we could talk about for days and weeks and months and years for those who embrace Jesus. Simeon and Anna celebrated that Jesus was bringing comfort and freedom. I think most of us could use a little bit more of that in our lives. Verse 25 calls Jesus the consolation of Israel because life in Israel kind of stank 2,000 years ago. Probably literally, but you know, in a figurative sense. They'd been under foreign oppression for centuries. They'd only had little, little windows of independence and And God had literally left the building 580-some years before that first Christmas. All around was abundant poverty and illness and political unrest and crime. And Jesus came to bring comfort and transformation. He never promised to change our earthly circumstance, but He offers spiritual, attitudinal, and eternal change. He is the fulfillment of all God's promises. He is the assurance of God's perfect and ultimate justice. That as we look around in a world filled with injustice, He is the proof positive that one day there will be justice. And He gives us the peace that we yearn for in a world full of violence and hatred and the power that we need on a daily basis to endure the the petty indignities of daily life with joy, just as he endured every kind of suffering and indignity on the cross for the joy of restoring us to fellowship and friendship with God. Jesus came to bring redemption, to, to buy, literally buy our freedom. That's what he did at the cross. He paid with his body and his blood for our freedom from sin's dominating power in our lives and from death's ultimate finality. So if you're feeling particularly unfree tonight, burdened, bogged down, stressed out, burnt out, trapped, anxious, afraid, or hopeless, the joy of Christmas is that baby Jesus grew up to buy your freedom from all those things. And the question is whether we will truly embrace that freedom in Christ and live our lives in light of it. Jesus brought the presence of God into our lives. He is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Verse 32 calls him a light for revelation and the very glory of God. The Jesus that Simeon and Anna embraced as a baby is God's perfect revelation of himself to us. He reveals all we need to know about God. By his words and actions, we see the kindness, the patience, the faithfulness, the goodness, the gentleness, the compassion, the wisdom, and the care of God for the lost and the least. By His miracles, we see God's complete control over nature and evil and sickness and death, the great enemies of mankind. By His sacrificial death and resurrection, we see God's perfect justice and absolute holiness playing out, which cannot tolerate sin, and yet mercifully, He offers His own Son 
to overcome our sin at his expense. Jesus is God himself. He reveals his glory as the, as the God of the universe became a tiny baby to carry out a rescue mission, revealing his love and fulfilling his promises. So if you're feeling lonely, isolated, depressed, or unloved tonight, realize that the Jesus who came that Christmas came for you. He loves you very much. And through Jesus, God is with you if you will embrace him. This is where we conclude, because to experience the true joy of Christmas, we must each choose whether or not to embrace Jesus. Simeon and Anna embraced him. They overflowed with joy as they did. Each of us must choose for ourselves whether or not we will embrace him and experience his joy. I can't choose for you, and and neither can anyone else. It is a personal choice. Simeon warned us different people will respond in different ways. He said it in verses 34 and 35. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Some will joyfully embrace Jesus, rising to new life, new hope, renewal, transformation, freedom, and everlasting glory. Others will reject Jesus, falling further away from God. Perhaps they're too blind to their own faults to admit they're a sinner. Perhaps they're too proud to admit they need a Savior to deal with those sins. Or perhaps we're simply too focused on our own goals and ambitions to submit our lives to the leadership of Jesus Christ. Perhaps we're too taken with our humanistic worldview to believe in the possibility of the presence of God in our midst. Or perhaps there are some who who simply feel they deserve their pain and so they reject God's comfort. Or they prefer the familiarity of enslaving habits and addictions and mindsets to the uncertainty of true freedom in Christ. As Simeon predicted, that's how it's always been. But that's not what's most important tonight. What matters the most tonight is what you choose to do with Jesus. Will you rise in Christ or fall away from him? This is the most important decision in life because the true joy of Christmas is not about a a tiny baby in a manger. It is about a grown man who is both fully God and fully man. The true joy of Christmas is about a bloody cross and an empty tomb on Easter. The true joy of Christmas is not about a a single special night, but about God's ongoing, unfolding work of love and mercy to restore us to a right relationship with Him. The true joy of Christmas is that through the coming of His eternal Son as a baby, and that sacrifice and resurrection at Easter, God's salvation has dawned, and forgiveness, freedom, healing, transformation, wholeness, and union with God are freely available to all who will embrace it. So will you embrace the joy of Christmas tonight? Joyfully embracing Jesus like Simeon and Anna did. Will you open that present that God has placed under your tree?